huge waves, pelting rain, and hotter, stickier summers. That's what comes to mind when we think about climate change in Hawaii. But I want to ask you, what image pops into your head when you think of a climate scientist? Do you think of some guy in a lab coat throwing his hands up at our impending doom? Or maybe someone charting changes with blinking neon numbers over their head? While the job includes a lot of data and modeling, it's also important to think about what we do with all that information. This is Stemming the Tide from Honolulu Civil Beat. I'm your host, Ku'u Ka'uanoe. We've talked about how higher tides and temperatures will impact Hawaii, and we've met some people who are doing something to mitigate and adapt in their own communities. But we're switching it up in this episode. We're sitting down with someone who not only knows a lot about climate change, but also how to bring people together to find solutions. Government policies are one of the many ways we can prepare for changes to come. So officials often turn to scientific experts for help. Experts like Dr. Victoria Keener. My name is Victoria Keener. I am a senior research fellow at the East-West Center, and I am a research professor at Arizona State University, remotely, of course, and I also sit on the Honolulu Climate Change Commission. Victoria is one of the co-leads for the Pacific Regional Integrated Sciences and Assessments Program, also dubbed Pacific RESA. While she specializes in the science of freshwater hydrology, the research team that she manages is made up of physical and social scientists who look at how climate data can inform important decisions. We act as a bridge, you know, from the science to that level of decision making. And there's a lot to know. Scientists like her spend decades in their field, studying ecosystems and trends, how organisms live, and what they need to thrive. But because climate change is such a complex issue, Victoria says that there should be more collaboration across fields. One of the things that, um, you know, I've made a hallmark of um, the spaces that I work in and that I really value and I think is becoming more valued generally by both kind of research and management and and policy-oriented communities is kind of this really interactive and transdisciplinary applied research. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, not just being a hydrologist who works with other hydrologists, but really looking at crossing um, these silos for these, these big problems like climate change. Victoria says that a more holistic approach is needed. Despite climate science being very data-driven, solutions should be actionable and people-driven. How do you join the expertise of a physical scientist like an atmospheric physicist or a hydrologist or a climatologist with uh, social sciences and applied um, work such as, you know, economists and anthropologists and, you know, historians even. And um, on our team, we've, we have legal scholars and decision scientists. So how do you bring these disparate groups of expertise together in a way where you're really able to tackle a really complex problem holistically? So not just taking one Um, physical science aspect, but looking at the societal aspect too. So how do you combine the people side and the natural side 
and, um, you know, work with different communities to really understand that problem and address some of the root issues uh, associated with it. It's all about connecting experts from different disciplines and creating an environment that encourages a more versatile body of knowledge around climate action. And being able to do that is a skill. Yeah, so um, it's interesting because when I was in graduate school, uh, a woman on my committee, one of my scientist heroes, actually, she was saying, oh, you know, Victoria, I find that uh, scientists are either connectors or innovators. And so, you know, innovators are the ones that come up with these great new advancements in theory and move the field forward. And the connectors are the ones who find people from different silos who can, who you can join together with and create, you know, also a new thing and move it in a different way. And at the time I was like, oh crap, I'm an, I'm a connector. I want to be an innovator, but I know I'm a connector because I'm crossing all these fields. But I've kind of started thinking about it differently. Connecting is a type of innovation. And being able to work across different fields with different kinds of people, not just in um, the academic world, but in policy fields, working with different politicians, working with natural resource managers, working with community-based organizations, working with people throughout the world at different scales of government and application, that is an innovation too, being able to cross those silos. And a lot of the places where I see just in Hawaii or locally, but everywhere, these sticking points in being able to make these changes, especially in addressing these big problems like climate, are that we have siloed ourselves into these um, situations where we're not sharing information, collaborating. This becomes especially important when working with governments to tackle issues like climate change, because all of that research will become the basis for creating new policies and laws. One of the more interesting things that I've um, been able to do in the last few years is with my appointment to the Honolulu Climate Change Commission, um, which is a commission of five experts and were appointed by the mayor and the city for five years to provide guidance about local impacts of climate. As someone whose career has been in, you know, applied climate science and, um, you know, working across the boundary of science and policy and getting research into helping um, management decisions. Um, You know, I I considered myself an expert on that. And then getting appointed to this commission, working within that city government framework and seeing how things get done. I think I learned more about how science makes it into policy and can impact policy and how to be effective in the first year of being on the commission than I did of, you know, the decade of working in the academic field and doing applied research before that, Um, which is, you know, kind of surprising, I guess, but just it shouldn't be surprising because we're all people and we all know how decisions get made and it's all just working with people. It's another plug for why integrating social science and political science and things that deal with humans and communities is so critical when you're trying to do anything dealing with a problem like the climate crisis. As we see again and again, things don't get done because the data shows that they need to. They get done because you have a groundswell of community members and organizations pushing for something combined with kind of that top-down politician, high-level support and vision. Where those two visions meet, I think, is where you see progress. And so being able to work on the Climate Commission 
and kind of help marry those two sides and bring them together is, I think, where I've seen the most progress being made. The Climate Change Commission has provided guidance to the city and county of Honolulu on issues like greenhouse gases, sea level rise, carbon pricing, and climate equity. Victoria and her team's role as connectors are in high demand. Well, I mean, it never ends. <laughs> so there's, there's, always, um, there's always more to do, and you're always seeing um, places where people should be talking to each other to advance something, whether it's, you know, just in academic worlds where two different groups of experts should get together or whether it's connecting someone in policy with someone in an academic field, then they should be talking and they should have a collaboration. Um, So I actually have a sticky note on my computer right now that says say no (laughs) to remind me that sometimes, um, sometimes I should say no to like new collaborations and thinking about pushing forward new initiatives just because it gets really busy and it it can be never-ending. I asked Victoria what advice she would give to a young scientist who might want to get into this work. Um, I would say, you know, in terms of school and, and things like that, never, you know, don't not do a class just because it's hard. A lot of the most gratifying parts of science are very hard (laughs) and it's hard and you have to learn and apply yourself and it's not easy. Um, So having that ability to persevere through these challenging things to learn and also not being afraid to change your mind in the face of new information. And and, um, I would say that's one of the biggest ones. Like I think that you will be, um, you will be able to be successful if you are able to bring in new information and not be afraid to change your mind. Um, Know when you're wrong, um, know when to dig in, and just learn how to evaluate information. I think that's one of kind of the main things that makes it difficult to communicate science on a, um, a large scale is that just the ability for everybody to recognize that science changes. And it's like, that's what science is. It's taking in new information. It's learning more. It's adding to that body of research. And so, you know, people get so upset when they see things come out and they're, oh, last week it was, they're saying this, and now this week they're saying this. And it's like, yeah, when you get more data, you change your, you know, mental model of how things work. And that doesn't mean that everything came before it was necessarily wrong. It just means you are adding to your picture of the world and the problem. So what is it like tackling something that can feel so overwhelming, like climate change? There are definitely up and downs. I see new studies that come out, and it's very rarely ever, oh, hey, things are better than they thought we were. Like, it's always, oh, things are getting worse more rapidly. The change is more rapid and um, at a greater scale than we thought it was. We're shortening this time horizon for impacts and making them more severe. It can get, you know, it's it beats you down. And um, so I definitely do get on the roller coaster of, you know, seeing new results and feeling like we're just not moving fast enough in terms of policies and management and building a groundswell of support for the the major systemic change that needs to happen um, in order to save a lot of our communities and, and ecosystems. But at the same time, I know that we don't really have the luxury of nihilism, I guess, (laughs) or I don't see it as a choice to just kind of give up and decide to let it all go. You know, one of the one of the ups in terms of the roller coaster is thinking about how everything that we do 
to make climate crisis a little less severe is going to make life better. You're making someone or something's life better. Thank you for joining us today. If you like this episode, head over to civilbeat.org slash podcasts. I'm your host, Ku'u Ka'uanoe. My editor is Nathan Eagle, and this episode was produced by April Estrelon. Stemming the Tide is supported by the Environmental Funders Group of the Hawaii Community Foundation, Marisla Fund of the Hawaii Community Foundation, and the Frost Family Foundation. To learn more about Civil Beat and our journalism, subscribe to our free morning email newsletter by texting CIVIL to 66866.